Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Wow, that was really quiet. I was like, I'm going to take a step back because that was so underwhelming. Uh, how are you doing today? Oh, that's good. That's good. You can all just lie. If you've had a bad day, you can still say it's good. No, don't do that. Hey, I'm um, really cool to be speaking with you this morning. Um, uh, we've just started a series here at church called Sons and Daughters, uh, looking at what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. And, and Glenn opened this up last week, and he just kind of introed, you know, the orphan spirit um, that so many of us have journeyed through or, or are journeying through. And that basically just looks at you know, when we get our identity from our situation and our circumstances, our environment around us, rather than our birthright as sons and daughters of God. When we look at um, our own self-worth and value and what it is that we're doing rather than, than who God says we are. And that, that creates and develops an orphan spirit in us. And over this next series um, of looking at what it means to be a son and daughter of God, our heart um, really for us as a church to take a hold at another level what it means to have an identity that's fully established and rooted in love as sons and daughters of God and how that affects the way that we see the world and the way that we interact with each other in our environment. So today, I'm just going to go another step further in, in this story and I'm going to share a message. It's just called Becoming a Son. And this is really my journey um, that, that I've gone through um, mostly over the last five years of becoming, becoming a son and, and having my identity uh, become a whole lot more secure in, in Christ. And it's definitely, it's not arrived. Um, there's still lots of elements where I'll be in situations and I'll feel a, an old insecurity um, flare its head when I'll be doing something and I'll see someone do the exact same thing a lot younger and do it far better. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, that felt interesting. Where did that come from? <laughs> and so, you know, so I have not arrived, but I'm a lot further on in the journey than I was if you met me five years ago. And so a few disclaimers as I begin my message today. Um, the term um, that I'm going to be referring to is sons and fathers, but this, this is interchangeable with mothers and daughters. Obviously, I'm a guy and I, I'm a dad and, and I've been a son. And so I, I use sons and fathers, but for all the ladies um, in the house, please just insert mothers and daughters there. Um, another disclaimer is that I'm going to share a few personal stories today um, about the journey that I've actually had on staff here um, at church and a lot of the insecurities that have been sort of uh, chiseled away um, off me over the last few while. And I'm going to share a few stories about my journey with Glenn um, in that process. And Glenn has um, given the green tick for these stories being shared today. So now as I share these stories, uh, they're shared with his blessing. They've been away at Hillsong Conference and have uh, travelled late back late last night. And they'll uh, hopefully join us some point today. We'll get to say hello to them. But they, they flew in in the wee early hours of the morning. And the last disclaimer is that some of the, the challenges that came my way while I was on staff came through beliefs that I had. And when we have a belief, it doesn't matter if the belief is correct or not for it to have power in our life. For example, if I believed that somebody um, looked down on me, 
Um, I would feel uncomfortable and awkward around that person, even if my belief was wrong. They might even really loved me validly and, and looked up to me. But if I believed they looked down on me, um, that belief had power in my life. And so a lot of the struggles that I had in my first few years on staff and, and becoming a pastor and, and, and feeling like my life was on display, whether it was or whether it wasn't, um, came through a lot of incorrect beliefs. And so just have that filter on as well as I share these stories. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Jared. Uh, I've been a pastor here for nearly six years. I've been married for almost eight. Um, I've got three awesome kids and uh, it's a good, good time. When, when I was younger, um, I was a missionary's kid, lived over in New Guinea for a few years, and uh, then moved out towards Cust when I was 12. And when I was 13, uh, my dad passed away really suddenly in an asthma attack, a really fit man, really awesome, godly guy, absolutely loved him. He was my hero. And in a, in a moment, he had a freak asthma attack, and and I was there when he died, and it completely rocked and changed my world. And over the next few years, I had this burning question inside me um, that went along this line of how will I become a godly man without someone to show me how? And I grew up in a really um, devoted Christian home where the presence of God was really real and really expected. And, and my biggest dream and the biggest aspiration that I had was to be a godly man. You know, I wanted to be rich, I wanted to be famous and all those things that every boy does. I wanted to play for the All Whites. Um, couldn't even make the Canterbury Rep team, uh, but that was okay. But I just wanted to be a godly man and then I wanted to be a dad. They were the two big things that I wanted. And so uh, after my dad passed away, I joined church here and I met Glenn Fraser, who was, you know, he's our senior pastor. He was the youth pastor at the time. And I met Chris Diath and he was the kids pastor at the time. They were over in Arnhem Land. They were our previous senior pastors before Glenn and obviously Lynn before them. Um, and so I met these two men and they became father figures in my life and I really latched on to them. Um, they would say from time to time they'd get J-O-D, which is Jared Overdose, because I literally would just latch on to them. I would grab these guys and be like, hi, I should come over and stay the night at your house tonight. And they'd be like, yep. And I'd just like turn up and things like that. It was awesome. You know, there's been a thing with me in my whole life and people would recognize it. Jared just does things. Like, I would say something, and they'd be like, wow, that, that just happened. And, uh, <clears throat> and so that was cool. That was me from 13 to 20 here in this church with them as real father figures in my life. And then I moved away to Invercargill, worked down there in television and, and uh, got married and bought a house. And Chris called me back to become a pastor. And so I was away for five years when I came back. And there was a groove a previous groove there of me being a son um, to these men um, and them having permission to speak into my life, to shape me and mould me. And, and Glenn would give me little, wee, really gentle nudges and Chris would give me wee boots. And, and I did it differently from time to time, depending on what I needed. And on special days when I was extra special, I would get both for the same thing on the same day. <laughs> they were good times. So I had this groove there of being a son and I came back and I experienced... Uh, quite a bit of friction because there was a groove there that I now despised. When, when I was younger, it was my most cherished thing and I had deep, fond memories of it. But when I came back, I came back at 25 and I didn't want to be viewed as 15. 
And there was a previous groove of being a son that now I resented. And, and it caused a big friction around me to be like, I don't want this. Because in my mind, if I were a son, then it meant that they didn't see me as a man. And it was a belief that I had and an insecurity around me that was inaccurate. And it began to shape and, and to uh, really disable my identity. And I just want to unpack this journey of, of how I came back onto staff here and then really struggled to try and fight and contend to be a leader in my own right rather than being someone who was a part of a team leading heart to heart, being a son amongst fathers. And it was a really challenging journey. And so I got on really, really well with the guys, absolutely loved them to bits, and, and they spoke hugely into my life and were incredibly gracious over this journey. And I had many moments of, you know, saying things and do things where, where Chris and Glenn would just be like, wow, that, that just happened. Um, and one of these times was at the start of 2012, so about four years ago, I took Glenn out for coffee because God had spoken to me and shown me that I was going to replace Glenn as the youth pastor. Uh, and I thought in my wisdom, wow, if I tell him, that will accelerate the process. So I took him out for coffee. It's so embarrassing upon reflection. Oh my goodness. 99% of this message is embarrassing upon reflection. And uh, so I took him out for coffee and we sat down. I said, Glenn, I really want to be honest with you because I loved him. Um, I was kids pastor here, but I was also serving as a youth leader on Friday nights. I said, I've got a tension going on. He's like, yeah, tell me about it. I said, well, I really want to serve you, really want to do well, but I also feel there's part of me where I feel like I'm greasing up to you. I just don't like it. So I just want to be honest with, with my conflict is that God's told me that I'm going to take over from you as youth pastor soon. And he was like, yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Like, okay. And, um, and so that was one of those moments of just putting it out there. And we actually, from that kind of that point onwards, um, there was an interesting journey that unfolded um, of transition. Uh, but the interesting thing for me is when I went to him, I didn't use the words, I'm going to inherit a ministry from you. I used the phrase, I'm going to take over from you. And there was an element where Glenn had built a, a youth ministry that I had been a part of that had incredibly blessed my life. He'd served it in 14 years. And God was showing me, you get the honour of inheriting a, a huge wealth. But I took it from, I'm going to take over and replace you. And there was a part of my heart where I thought, you've, you've had a great season. You've done really well. And now it's my turn. And in my first year or so, I'm going to change the whole world, man. Like... <laughs> I don't understand. You've been doing this for 14 years and your youth ministry hasn't even reached Mozambique yet. What is going on? You know, this is this deep level of, of um, ignorance. It wasn't arrogance. It was just ignorance and arrogance. And, and there was an element of an orphan spirit. And it was like, you know, the story of the prodigal son. Glad shared it last week where the prodigal son goes to the dad and goes, hey, I, I want my inheritance now. I just give it to me. Let's speed this whole thing up. I'm ready for you to move aside. It's my turn to shine. And I had that attitude. And so uh, towards the end of the year, we started transitioning. And he started transitioning out of the youth role, and I started transitioning in. And I discovered that transition, it brings out a whole different level of personality in you when you transition. 
Uh, I found insecurities I never knew I had. And my insecurities found insecurities and they started a Facebook page and everybody joined. (laughs) It was amazing. Uh, And during this season, Glenn and our our, our relationship, it it really encountered a whole nother level of friction. You know, and, and, and some things happened uh, between us. And overall, like, it didn't feel like this to me at the time because I was just so right and Glenn was so wrong. Uh, but now, now that I, I've had a long time of reflection, I can really see that during the season, Glenn kept his heart really soft towards me. He kept a father's heart that kept extending out towards me. And, and I, I unintentionally took on a large amount of hurt and offense. And it started to cause my heart to turn pretty septic. In this season, I didn't see Glenn as a spiritual dad. I didn't see him as a father. I so badly wanted to be viewed by him and Chris. I just wanted them to see me as an equal. I just like to see me as an equal and my identity, like it wasn't placed enough in who Christ said that I was. And I was really jostling and striving as a young man, not, not to be seen as a young man, but to be seen as someone who was mature, someone who was capable to build on the shoulders of the one who went before me without needing to lean on those shoulders at the same time for support. You know, we always talk about, you know, as, as you know, when you, when you take over a ministry or, or anything like that in life, that you build on the shoulders of the one who went before. Their momentum sets you up to succeed. And I wanted to succeed, but I wanted to succeed apart from their support. Because I thought if I did that, Glenn and Chris would look at me and say, man, you're successful. I so value you. Because so much of my value was tied up in, in what I did rather than who Christ said I was. You know, I came to this church and I left media to do it and I was doing well in that field. And I came here and, and I started to turn the kids ministry. It started getting a real momentum. And I ended up with more volunteer leaders leading under me than any other department. And, and that did my ego no end of good and harm. And I thought, man, I'm the man. Like, if I lead, that makes me successful. And, and I'm like, church is growing and Chris and Glenn will love me for it. And it's really interesting when you try to get your identity outside of God in relationship, you can't get value from people in a healthy way either. So the first point that I want to make today of becoming a son or a daughter, first thing to be aware of is a boy just wants to be a man, but a man understands the need to be a son. Now, I've got a son, and he just wants to grow up. You know, boys just want to be men. When I was a boy, I just wanted to be a man. But a real man understands the need to be a son. So this insecurity that I had combined with a few other ingredients really started to pull me back from Glenn, and it caused a... Um, a polite working relationship rather than a friendship that we had. And this actually lasted for about four to six months and not many people know this. We, we kept it very, um, just, uh, we really tried to honour each other and love each other as we worked out our stuff. Um, but now this, the bitterness that I had that had cultivated in me, which I wasn't aware of, it really started to affect my marriage. Now, the insecurity really started playing out all over the place. And Rowena, she just couldn't do anything right. Well, I, I became judgmental, harsh, and angry. And I remember one night uh, where well, I have no idea what happened. And I was just going on about how this wasn't good enough. And then I was like, I saw myself from another perspective and I started to cry. And I just went, oh my gosh, I don't, 
there is something so wrong in my heart. Like, you know, you have those moments of realisation where you've become broken. It was one of those moments and I just cried and I was like, man, Ro, I'm so sorry. I'm going to get this fixed. And I called Mitch because that's just what I used to do and still do. Uh, I was like, Mitch, I need your help. Come see me in the morning. And we went to church and cut a long story short, I ended up getting deliverance from a spirit of bitterness. And God set me on a healing of, of restoration. And a bit of time went by and I ended up on a prayer retreat in Hamna with just Josh, Glenn, Chris and myself. And they were all getting blown away by the Holy Spirit. And I'm just standing there with nothing. You know, Chris is at my feet, completely overcome by the Holy Spirit, just laughing at me going, you're a good boy. You're a funny boy. You're so funny. And these guys, all this, and all I have, I'm just seething on the inside, just seething. And, and God starts putting his finger on things and I just start feeling so convicted of, of the way that I had dishonoured Glenn and, and the hurt that I'd carried and the fence that I'd carried towards him. So I go over to him and I'm like, you know, just feeling incredibly humbled in front of Josh and Chris. And I go to Glenn, I go, I just need to apologise. I just need to ask you for forgiveness. And I've carried a hurt towards you and offence towards you. And I haven't, haven't stewarded, stewarded our relationship well. And I've really dishonoured you. And I was expecting something similar back. <laughs> and Glenn just goes, Jared, I, I so forgive you. I just, I, just, I just have nothing but love and, and, and good thoughts and success towards you. I don't have any issue with you. And it really ticked me off. Because I was like, I've been in the gutter and you're on the high road of righteousness, you prick. You should be in pain and agony like me. What? You emotionally whole, well-rounded person, you healthy leader, how I despised it. (laughs) It's even more humbling when you apologize to someone and you see that they just all love you. And it just, mm, it was so annoying. Because I just, I so didn't want to be in Glenn's shadow. You know, I'd served under Glenn and I'd served him faithfully and I'd poured out my life to him. I just, I didn't want to be under his shadow. At the very least, he could have been in the gutter with me. And he so wasn't. And, and it's funny, like, Glenn would refer to me as time to time as having a little brother syndrome which at times was helpful and at times were just like, oh, you're so right, but I don't want to hear that right now. So I, I've got an amazing older brother, Josh, and growing up with Josh was interesting. He was always, and despite the age difference, it didn't really matter. Like He was just more gifted at most things. It wasn't that he was older, so he was better. He was just naturally more gifted. He was His nickname as kids was Arnold because he was just ripped. And, and I was just like a beanpole. And, and everything that he did, he just did better and easier than me. And it just frustrated me so much. And I hated being in somebody's shadow. And, and so any time that I would feel like I was in somebody's shadow, this little brother syndrome of just not being equal would rise up in me. And I would begin to fight for attention. I'd be in staff meetings and I'd present an idea and I'd feel like it would get overlooked. And I would get agitated and frustrated. And I would begin to like aggressively point out why my idea was the best idea because I just had this need to be recognized and valued and if somebody was better than me in the room then they would have all the value and I would have none 
And so I discovered this interesting thing. And, and while reflecting on it recently, um, I felt like God showed me a few things. And the second point I want to make on, on our journey of, of having a secure identity is that there's a difference between shadows and coverings. You can feel like you're in somebody's shadow or you can feel like you're in someone's covering. And a covering is something that lovingly protects you and feeds into your life. So shadows and coverings may look the same, but your attitude can determine their reality. See, in Acts, the the apostles in in chapter 5, they started doing all these amazing things. You just want to throw the PowerPoint up there. We're just going to move through this story. But there were all these sick people, and and they needed God to flow through the life to release healing. So what they did, they would come and lie down in mats so that when Peter the apostle would walk past, they would be under his shadow, and the overflow of glory on his life would flow out to them, and they would receive healing. And God showed me this passage because He said, look, You can feel like you're under someone's shadow or you could be under their covering. These people recognize something that to be under the shadow of someone else meant to be under a covering. It wasn't something that was over them. It was rather something they placed themselves under and they received God's miracle and breakthrough because of the attitude they had towards the shadow. And so I've since learned that being under somebody else's shadow doesn't mean that you're not valued or loved. Rather, you have placed yourself under a covering and now you get a share of the glory that's flowing through their life. So a bit of time went by and, and one day I was in church and, and I was praying and Glenn and our relationship, it incrementally it got, it got, you know, it got better and got better and got better, but it still was never what it had been before. And I was in here praying, and Glenn was having a rough day. So he said, like, come in and pray, for me. Come and pray with me, and I'll, I'll pray for you. And he came in. I just didn't have anything to offer. And I just prayed this prayer that was just, you know, it was polite and it was Christian, but it didn't have any conviction really in it. And then Glenn went to pray for me, and it was like time just completely froze. And I heard God speak, like, almost probably the clearest I've really ever heard him. And he said, Jared, do you know what your problem is? I think, man, that's... This conversation's off to a bad start. And he goes, your problem is, is that you're not a son. And you're not a son because you haven't submitted your life to a father. And it hit me like this ton of bricks. And it was like the first few pieces of the puzzle just fell in together. And my heart just almost leaped out of my chest. It was like the revelation just brought freedom. And all of a sudden, I look at Glenn and he's got his eyes closed as he's just waiting for the Holy Spirit to lead him. And inside me, my, it's like my chest begins screaming out and my eyes start tearing up. I'm going, make me a son. Like, make me your son. I want to be your son again, but I want to be your son. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to step into sonship. Make me your son. And then he, he begins praying for me and says, I just feel like God wants to say that you're a son. You're a son. I declare you're loved. You're loved. I declare sonship over your life. Sonship, sonship, sonship. And I look up and I'm like, Glenn, that's awesome. But I want to be your son. Like, can I be your spiritual son? Adopt me as a son. And so obviously he said, yes, because I'm amazing. And like everyone, everyone would love to have me as a son. And, uh, and he went out and he, he called Debbie. He was like, Debbie, you won't believe what's happened. God's restored my relationship with Jared and he's asked me to be his dad. Like the the level of hurt that had come between us was just like, it was so painful. And in a moment of time, at the end of six months of humility and process, 
God brought healing and freedom and he restored a relationship to be better than it had been before. And I stepped into sonship and I had a sense of security, boundaries, loyalty, a loving freedom that I'd been missing. And so our, my relationship with Glenn, it, it just kept, kept on growing and maturing. And, and over the years, it's, it's probably been the thing that I've, uh, I've appreciated the most about Thrive is that, that relationship that I've had and the way that, that he has, has fed into my life and has always held me over and over. He would tell me, you know, I just hold you with an open hand. You know, whatever it is that God would do in your life, I just want to be a part of, you know, seeing that happen. And so three years ago, I went, went by and, and it was the end of last year, start of this year, and I was digging a ditch and I, I was just thinking about uh, my relationship with Glenn and I began to wonder, will, will he be my spiritual dad always? Or is it like, you know, for a season? What, what would this be like? And then I began to wonder, like, you know, if that's what's up the top flows down, if I had the choice between having Glenn or having Bill Johnson or Chris Valentin, would I make a switch? I'm just digging and going, ah, my old thoughts started coming back. If I had a spiritual dad that had an international global ministry, would that accelerate my promotion? And I began to wander along these lines and then God interrupted as he, God's like, oh, he's getting off track. Interrupt, Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit interrupted and goes, hey, it was this really cool conversation. Do you want to know why Moses was referred to as the most humble man of the day? I was like, I've always wondered this. I've always wondered because he wrote it about himself. I've always wanted to know that. These are the two things. Why that? And when God said, let there be light at the beginning of the Bible, what was the light? Because a couple of days later, he made the sun. What was the light? So anyway, I was like, well, I get this one ticked off. He goes, wow, you know, here's the thing. Moses was the most humble man. He led a nation out of slavery into freedom. He led a whole nation and he pretty much conversed, like he would converse with the glory of God and the fire of God and the power of God. He got direction of how to lead a nation directly from God himself. But yet a time came when his father-in-law came to him and said, the way that you are leading is not good. You will wear yourself out. Change your strategy and Moses was a humble man who heard the advice from a father and he corrected the way that he led a whole nation. He didn't say, you know, who do you think you are just to, to give me advice? I, I talk directly with God. Do you not think that if I was doing something wrong in our last conversation, God Almighty would have told me himself? But he understood the simple truth. And then I just felt like God say to me, you don't ever outgrow your relationship with your father. You, you don't outgrow it. You may grow beyond what your fathers have done. And that's the heart of every father for their sons and daughters to go further and, and, and to be more whole and all of those things than they were. That's, that's, to, that's going and growing on their shoulders, but you don't outgrow the relationship. And so, like, God is so faithful to His Word that the prayer when I lost my dad that I would pray over and over and say, God, you said you would be a father to the fatherless. That's me. Prove it. Show me. And I, I prayed that so many times as a teenager and I so desperately wanted God to be my father and I pursued him so intently in my life. I just want to encourage you this morning as you go on that journey of, of being sons and daughters, that God is so faithful to his word. 
He is a father to the fatherless. And you may not have a glen or a crisp or, 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 or a lint right in front of you with time that you could just go, hey, can I, can I be your son or your daughter? But I want to encourage you, there's something so powerful about tuning your heart to having a heart that is so for relationship recognizing that you're already a son and a daughter of God, that you don't need to compete for intention, but instead you can freely celebrate the success of other people, knowing that they're on the same team as you and that their success gives you permission to succeed as well. That being a son submitted to the leadership and the love of someone else doesn't make you any less important or significant, but rather it just places you under a covering where you can experience more blessing. God is really faithful to what we need. He knows our practical needs. He knows our spiritual needs. And He knows our relationship needs. Can we just get the keyboard to start and the band? That'd be fantastic. If, if you want to walk as a son or a daughter, I just want to encourage you, just start talking with God about it. Just to start sharing and sharing your heart with Him and going on that journey and going, God, I, 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 I want to have my, my identity so firmly established in who you are. And I want to see that reflected in healthy relationships around me where I don't feel insecure, where I don't feel my competitive nature trying to justify my actions. Because God is he's such an awesome father to the fatherless. It, it, sons just want to be men. But men know that they need to be sons. That, that we could feel at times like we're under somebody's shadow, but with a heart adjustment, we could realize that we're under a covering of favor and blessing. I came back to this place so determined to prove that I was worthy of standing in ministry on my own. And God was like, man, I never intended anybody to stand on their own. Why are you trying to prove something that's impossible? You just, I was like hitting my head against a brick wall over and over and over. But when the realisation came that I was no less significant to be a son than I, than I would have been of anything else, that I elevated myself into identity where in the past I was trying to demote myself into my own form of success. And so this morning, I just want to do two things. And I'd just like to invite everybody to stand with me this morning. God is he's so good. He's so good. He's such an awesome father. He's so good. And I just want to invite you this morning as the band lead us into worship. If, if you would just like to respond today to go, God, I, I want you to be my dad. I, I want you to be my mom because he's both. He's the full nurturer and the full defender. He's the full provider and the, and the full comforter. If you're God, I want my identity to be so found in you that I just want to invite you this morning to respond and, and we'd love to pray with you. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God at all and you just go, God, I want to go on that journey. I want to be your son or your daughter. Then I want to invite you as the band plays, please just come forward and, and the, the life group leaders are going to come here and they're going to be there to pray for you and they're just going to ask you, you know, what are you responding to today? Do you want, do you want to meet Jesus or, or do you just want to step into the identity that he has for you?